Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Victoria. And that's Christina. Today we're going to talk about the blessed Marie Clementine Anurite Nengapeta. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Before we start, (laughs) a quick trigger warning. There is a little bit of discussion of sexual assault towards the end of this story. Uh, We will have Christina put the time marker for that in the show notes. So if you want to listen up to that point and then skip past it, uh, or of course, if that's something you're sensitive to, maybe just skip this whole episode uh, and we will catch up with you in a week or two. Okay, here we go. Marie Clementine Anurite Nengapeta. Not her real name. That's a name. (laughs) Yes. Okay. She was born just Nengapeta is her first name. Uh, She was born on December 29th, 1939, in a little town called Wamba, which is in what is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mm, Okay. Uh, So if people don't have a map in front of them, the Democratic Republic of the Congo is a pretty big country, kind of right in the middle of Africa. Uh, So it's sub-Saharan, it's like jungly Africa, Uh, it just... Barely a tiny, tiny little bit of it touches the uh, Atlantic Ocean, but that kind of seems like somebody wanted them to have a port, so they stuck a weird little arm out to the Atlantic Ocean. But mostly it's just like right in the middle between, Mm -hmm. um, so it's the next country west of Kenya and Tanzania. Mm -hmm. It's just like a big blob in the middle, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And right now it still has political issues or did Uh, it did have some serious political issues i think they are calming down okay like in the last like 20 years or something like that like since the 90s it's been kind of yes uh okay so she's from this little town called wamba which is in the uh sort of the northeast corner of the country um uh, so like i said her birth name is just nangapeta uh, her dad is a guy called Amisi Batsuru Barabobo, and her mom is a lady called Isu Julien. Uh, Nengapeta is the fourth of six daughters. Uh, her younger two sisters are twins, uh, so they have a lot oh, of fun. girls. Yep, lots of girls. Uh, the family is a member of the Wabudu tribe, which I tried to Google because I'm all about uh, you know, cultural facts and things, uh, but they uh-huh. uh, either do not exist anymore or they are very small. 
because uh, I okay. can't find anything about that. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so when she's a kid, uh, her dad is not happy with her mom because the dad thinks that it's the mom's fault that they only have daughters and don't have any sons. Right. Um, because he clearly doesn't understand how genetics work. Yeah. Uh, well, so he. It's also the olden times. So yes. It, well, it's only <laughs> 1930. It's only the 1940s. Yeah, the but. Uh, but yeah. So he thinks it's his wife's fault that they only have daughters. So he gets a divorce and marries a new woman. It doesn't sound like a good enough reason for divorce. No, it doesn't. Especially not in the 1940s. But uh, ironically, the new woman, the stepmom, the new woman uh, is sterile. She can't have any children. (laughs) Not just sons. None at all. Uh, Take that. Yeah. Uh, So Nengapeta uh, apparently as a child forgives her dad for like breaking up her family. Like she doesn't hold a grudge against him. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's because she's a particularly forgiving person or if that's just because she's a child and she loves her dad or if Uh, that was made up after the fact yeah that too (laughs) Uh, but so she and her sisters i believe are mostly raised by their mom uh so they are all her parents uh are not christians and so all of the girls are born not christian right they're raised right in a like a more indigenous religion Mm-hmm. Um, but when she's five, she and her mom and some of her sisters are baptized as Catholic, um, oh. because the DRC at this time is part of Belgian Congo and the Belgians are right. Catholic. So like there's Catholics right. around. Yeah. Uh, so she's baptized at the age of five. She takes the Christian name Alphonsine, which is nice. Hmm. Um, it's like a feminine Alfonso. It is. Which Alfonso. is weird because isn't Alfonso a, an Italian name? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. French name? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, maybe. All right. Weird. Well, <laughs> got her a weird mom's name. Stuff her on. mom's name is Issue Julienne. Ooh. Like Isidore, like a feminine Isidore. Yeah. And then Julienne. Maybe they're Maybe Belgian. this one know. guy who baptized them was like a. Was just working with the Belgians, but he was Italian. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's up with these names. Weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. yeah, she's baptized uh, Alphonsine, so now her name is, like, uh, Nengapeta Alphonsine would be, like, uh-huh. her name. Yeah. Okay. So there's not a whole lot else about her childhood. There's just, like, a couple of little random things that kind of don't fit, to fit together in any particular order. Uh-huh. Um, so first, when she uh, goes to register for school... Uh, the schools in their area are run by Belgian nuns, mostly, uh-huh. um, like religious schools. So one of her older sister takes her to be registered for school when she's, you know, six or seven. And when they're talking to the nun about, like, we need to register this little kid for school, the nun, right. I guess, like, either misheard or didn't understand the naming conventions. Because yeah. when she registers Nengapeta, she basically squishes together Nengapeta's name and her sister's name, the one who dropped Uh-oh. her off. Uh, so the sister's name was uh, Leontine Anurite, uh-huh. and Nangapeta's name is Nangapeta Alphonsine, and she gets registered as Alphonsine Anurite. So one of her names and one of her sister's names. Weird. And Nangapeta yeah. just goes away. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's how she ends up with Anurite in her saint name, even though that's uh-huh. not her birth name or her Christian name or it's her not like really uh, sistery name. Right, it's not yeah, really it's related. A, yeah, it's just her sister's name. <laughs> okay, just messed up. Uh, so that's how she huh. gets up, ends up with Anurite. Um, she we just love seems, clerical issues. Yeah, it's a solid clerical issue. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they thought that Anurite was like her surname. When her yeah, sister maybe. said it, and they're like, oh, well, this kid must have it, too. And they, right. like, messed it up. Added it on. I'm not really yeah. sure. Hmm. Um, so, 
it seems like she was like a nice, cheerful kid, very friendly, helpful, always, you know, helping her parents and her grandparents and her aunties and whoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a story about how when she was a kid, she sees somebody butcher a goat in her village and then Mm -hmm. uh, refused to eat the meat because, quote, the blood was too much like hers. That's one heck of a realization for a child. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Also, like, that means that she's seen her blood. Which, I mean, I guess, you know, you're living in a village, you get cut and stuff, but, like, that's yeah. one hell of a connection. Yeah, it is. Uh, wow. Especially if no one else around you Thanks. is being vegetarian, like, there's nothing to, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a leap. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's just a thing she does. Uh, as she's growing up, she seems like, from a youngish age, she's kind of leaning towards a religious life. It okay. doesn't seem like it's necessarily that she's really drawn to God specifically. It's more like... The nuns she grew up with and the nuns who were her teachers at school just, like, made a strong impression on her as, like, yeah. friendly and kind and loving and helpful. And she was like, I want to be like these right. people. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, it's, like, that's a a safer life, like, going into that than in... Yeah, maybe. Necessarily than... <laughs> it's, like, one uh, of those things where it's, like, you have so many kids and it's, like, well, some of them have to be religious because... <laughs> we don't have anything else for you to do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so she, uh, as a teen, it seems, decides like, yes, I'm going to be a religious. I'm going to go mm-hmm. into a convent, do a religious thing. Um, her mom is not thrilled with this idea because uh, mm. mom would prefer for her to do something that like makes an income, you know, to help support the right. family because being a yeah. nun is not helpful for is the family. Is she the oldest? No, she's the fourth of six. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. And there must be a pretty decent age gap if the one of the older sisters could take and register her for school. Right. Yeah. Well... Uh, I mean, I mean you're not going to send a 10-year-old. Well, I don't think you would send a 10-year-old to do that. I think you could. It's like a 16-year-old, maybe. I mean, like, in a village, though, like, especially yeah, if... Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so she's decided <laughs> that she wants to be a nun, and her mom's like, meh. Um, yeah. And so Nengapeta thought that if she, like, really consulted her mom about this and tried to get her mom to help her, that mom would just, like, put her foot down and put a stop to it. Right. Um, and so there is this uh, bus or wagon thing that comes into their village every once in a while to pick up people who want to be um, postulates at the convent in like the next little village. Okay. And so she's like, well, I know that this bus comes by every once in a while. So I'm just going to next time I see it, I'm just going to get on it and not tell my mom and I'm just going to go, which she does. Uh, She gets herself to this convent, which is in another little town called Bafuabaca, uh, which is about 60 miles away from her town. She's about 100 kilometers. Uh, it takes her mom about a week to figure out where she's gone because her kid's just, like, vanished. Well, yeah. Right? She's just <laughs> she disappeared. She's gone. That's one hell of a so, way to, for a kid to yeah. just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like, so her mom's, like, freaking out. How are you going to figure out where she's yeah. gone? Her mom's freaking out. Like, what happened to my kid? Where'd she go? Is something happened right. to her? Um, yeah. And then a, eventually a kid, like a village kid who saw her get on the bus, tells her mom that, oh, she went. She went to the convent. And her mom's like, meh. (laughs) But her mom doesn't try to go get her or anything. She's just kind of like, well, she's done it now. Yeah. Uh, She leaves her there. Okay. Uh, So then Nengapeta officially enters the convent uh, in uh, 1959 at the age of 19. Uh, She takes her vows on August 5th and takes the religious name Marie Clementine. 
Uh, okay. So this is how her saint, her blessedy name is Marie Gets Clementine. Even longer <laughs> on your right, Mangapetta. Yes, it just keeps getting longer. Yeah. Um, okay. Both of her parents attend her like initiation vow taking ceremony thing, which is nice. That is uh, nice. And they surprising. donated. Yes, it is kind of surprising. And they donated a couple of goats to the convent in her honor. Oh. Also nice. So, yeah. So they seem like they are mostly on board, like mostly fine They've with it. They've accepted it. it. Yes, they're kind of resigned to it at this point. It seems like mom, throughout the rest of her life, kind of like waffles back and forth between being like, yes, this is a respectable and good thing. And also like, why didn't you get a job and help the family? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so she kind of goes back and forth, but she never like really tries to stop her or anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. There's not a whole lot of information about Nangapetta's adulthood, like what she does in the convent beyond you know nun stuff confident things yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> uh she's like pretty standard nun stuff it seems like she has kind of a fiery streak because there's at least one story uh where there's some local guy in this village who's harassing one of the nuns and like trying to mm. hook up with her and the mm. nun is like no thank you and nangapetta goes and beats him up because <laughs> he won't <laughs> leave her alone uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> she's good, like good. she's like a reasonably young woman because she's 19 when she enters yeah uh but then uh History gets in the way. Mm, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to tell you about what is happening in the DRC at this time. Right. Uh, which will then lead into some stuff about Nangapetta. So at this time, though, it's not the DRC. It's the Belgian So Congo? it was it was Belgian Congo when she was born. Right. Um, yep. And then in 1960, uh, so just about a year after she joins the convent, uh-huh. they uh secede not secede but like gain independence from belgium right so now they're the republic of congo that's what they're called right when they gain independence Uh, Uh that happens in june in 1960 uh Uh except when they gain independence from belgium uh they kind of it's like sparks a series of civil wars and general unrest Uh uh, which is called the congo crisis Yes, from 1960 to 1965 Uh um so right at the beginning it kind of starts with Racial infighting between uh, indigenous Congolese people Groups. and mostly Belgian white settlers oh, who okay. like gotcha. live in the area, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so the Belgians and the other white settlers are kind of fleeing; like they can't live there yeah. anymore. There's too much unrest, right? Uh, which is bad on its own. But then Belgium sends troops to assist oh, the white citizens, which isn't good since this country is no longer <sighs> part of Belgium, and you can't send you can't foreign troops <laughs> into yeah. yeah. Uh, so that Sorry, kind of just but... makes everything worse. Yeah. Um, so in this uh, sort of upheaval period, there's two provinces of uh, Congo called Katanga and South Kasai, um, which mm. want to secede from the republic, from the new republic. And, they like, want to be remain... their own thing. Uh, oh. It seems more like they kind of want to remain part of Belgium. Belgium. Or not oh, okay. necessarily like part of Belgium, but like a commonwealth kind of. Commonwealth of Congo. Yeah. Like affiliate, remain affiliated yeah. with Belgium. Huh. Um, Interesting. So the UN uh, deploys peacekeepers oh. to the Congo to help put down this like huge civil war unrest thing. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't the, seem like a great idea. Just uh, well, it doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I was <laughs> like, it UN, doesn't. Sound the like that's Secretary gonna... General, uh, the, he he sends the peacekeepers basically to like keep peace, like in the strictest sense of like don't do anything. That could be construed as taking sides. 
That's true. Yeah. Like just but then what are you doing? Death. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so the, US, the Secretary General doesn't let the troops participate in fight, like active fighting against the secessionists. They're kind uh, of trying to be more like diplomatic, like yeah, and like can we try and talk to these people? But yeah, a little bit. That's and like just stay away from do. each other. Yeah. Don't like just don't interact, <laughs> don't fight, don't chat. Just like you stay over there, and we these people will stay yeah. over here. Uh, yeah. So they are in Leopoldville, which is the capital of the Republic of the Congo. Okay. Um, and there's like a lot very of fighting Belgian. in the streets. Yeah, it is very Belgian. It's even got an <laughs> accent in it. Uh, <laughs> and there's like fighting in the streets between the secessionists and the Republicans, uh, and the peacekeepers like kind of aren't really doing anything at all. Uh, yes. And so the Congolese prime minister, a guy called Patrice Lumumba, Lumumba. Uh, uh, decides to turn to the USSR instead to ask for help putting down the oh. secessionists because it's in the middle of a cold war. So he goes to the USSR and the USSR Wait, is hang like... hang on. Pause again. 60s. So this is the president guy of the Republic. Of the Republic, yes. Since so he is like, there are all these independent secessionists. Independent from Belgium. Yes. Yes. But he's trying to put down the little, two little like uh, yeah, states little or counties. provinces that are trying to yeah. secede. Yeah. Trying to go back to Belgium. Okay. Who are trying he to doesn't want them. them to. He's trying to... Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's trying to keep so the country together. So this is after... This is after, like, the white... They're they're fully independent at this they point. They are technically fully independent, yes. They're just <laughs> trying to deal with internal stuff now. Okay. Yes. Yes. So it doesn't really have much to do with Belgium other than these two thingies want to be part of Belgium and Belgium's just kind of over there. <laughs> uh, well, the Belgians also sent some troops, remember, to help the white But wasn't that citizens. during the... No, that's after the after the independence. Oh. So that's like okay. this part of the reason this is such a huge issue is because there's like a lot of foreign powers like interfering, Just messing a bit. around. Yeah. Oh yeah. lord. Okay. So now we so, have the USSR. Great. Yeah. So the USSR. Uh, he goes not to the great. USSR and says, "Can you please come help us?" Because the UN's not helping, and the USSR is like, "Yeah, sure." Uh, um, <laughs> and they send. When in, has the uh, USSR ever said no? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So the USSR sends uh, like uh, military assistance and aid and whatever. Um, the Congolese government are kind of like, not all of them are on board with asking the USSR for help. Like they yeah. kind of split into like, yes, the USSR will help us. And this is great. The right. other half is like, we should not have done that. That's just making everything worse. Yeah. It's just um, going to bite us in the butt, which. Yes. So now the probably, government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now the government of the Congo, the Republic of the Congo is like not unified, which means they're like not very effective and they're weakened, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, you need to like stand strong in this kind of civil war situation, right? You can't they, continue yeah. to split. <laughs> yeah, so they they're getting weakened because they're arguing with each other, and in this kind of like c- confusion, um, a military commander called Joseph Desiree Mobutu stages a coup. Uh, yeah, and he becomes the de facto ruler of the country in 1961. Okay, uh, the president uh, Lumumba is arrested and then later executed. Yeah. So now this guy, Mobutu, is the president or prime minister, right? Quote, unquote. Yes. More so, like dictator, right? Y- like military, yeah, military. Yeah, it's not great. What are they called? Military dictator? Yeah, military dictatorships, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. So that's in 1961. They've only been okay. independent from Belgium for about a year. So that's yes. great. Uh, so now they have this new government in Leopoldville, which is the capital, run by Mobutu, the coup guy. Yeah. And then a rival government sets itself up in a city called Stanleyville. Um, a bunch of Lumumba supporters, the president that got executed, set up a rival government. Yeah. In Stanleyville. Stanleyville is, so Leopoldville is the capital and it is in like yeah. the far west of the country. And okay. Stanleyville is kind of like the far east and a little bit north. Yeah. So, we're kind so of they're like it, huh? really far apart. 
and they have these two rival governments going. Um, but the this is also rolling into the Cold War, right? Yeah, it's part. Of, it's it's considered a proxy proxy issue. Proxy, what? what is it called? Proxy fight, proxy something. Proxy war. Yeah, I guess there's another word for it, but like a proxy war for the Cold War, like the it's Cold where war. like the two the two yeah U.S. and the U.S.S.R. are like using these yeah other yeah, things pawns. to like yeah fight yeah yeah. So this uh, new I learned war- that from my <laughs> little history map. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, what are we doing? I was like, not the Great Depression. That's too early. I was like, the next thing is the Cold War. <laughs> Cold War. Yep. It's a proxy war for the Cold War. Um, okay. Proxy conflict, maybe, is what they call it. Um, mm. So this rival government that pops up in Stanleyville is put down, like, pretty quickly in, like, six-ish months okay. uh, by oh, early yeah. 1962. It right. goes away. Um, and around this time, the UN Secretary General is killed in an unrelated pra- plane crash. Um, and he was the guy who Also was not re- great. Yeah, not great, but not relevant particularly. Yeah. <laughs> and this the Secretary General was really the one who was against the peacekeepers like being directly involved. Like it okay. was really the Secretary General who's like, no, they need to stay out of it. So Even once this guy not dies. not really doing much. <laughs> yeah. So once this guy dies, the rest of the UN uh, committee is like, well, they should do something. Uh, so the UN troops are approved to start to help a bit more. And they... Okay. Um, by the beginning help. yes well by the beginning of 1963 <laughs> so about a year later they have defeated the secessionist movements that are like okay. causing problems in leopoldville okay okay so the secessionist stuff is done, done. they've like fixed it the rival government a... is gone away they've like yeah squished it right they still have a military dictator kind of but they're yes. like they're like things are like kind of calming settling down, a little and so they're bit. like, okay. "Okay, things are settling. We are going what to." What year are we in? Like sixty-five, sixty-three. At this point, sixty-three. Okay. So this is in like four, three or four years. Yeah. Three years. Yep. Three years, uh, yeah. So uh, they're like, "Okay, things are calming down. So we are going to write up a like new constitution with like okay. put in lots of compromises from all these different groups who have different like priorities and stuff." Uh, right. They set up an interim government. They establish. They like uh, select okay. an interim president, and they're like, "Okay." We are going to, like, this is what we're going to do, and then a couple months from now, we're going to have another national election and, like, try to start yeah. over, you know? So they, wait, so I'm kind of surprised, because, I mean, all that sounds great, except the interim president, what happened to the military dictator? Is he, like, kind of chill and is like, I don't yeah, know. I don't actually <laughs> want to be president, so we should, like, set this up and get somebody else in here. I don't know if something I, happens to him, or if he yeah. is just chill. I don't know. Is he just chill? And his, he was like, can I go back to the military, or... <laughs> He's like, I actually don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what like, happened to him. There's too much stuff to go okay. down every little thread. Yeah, no, I got if you. If you okay. want to know, there is a massive web of Wikipedia articles oh, about this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So they, Very complicated. They pick a okay. guy to be an interim president. They're like, okay, we're going to have a new national election in, you know, a couple of months, and we're going to start over oh. as the Republic of Congo. <laughs> okay. They're so like, things are okay. looking up. Things I am are, anticipating yes. things do not continue to look things up. Things immediately go down again. Yep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... So remember I said Leopoldville, which is the capital, is in the far west, and yeah. Stanleyville, which is where the rival government popped up, right. is in the far east. Okay. Okay. So now a new militant group called the Simbas um, yeah. also turn up in Stanleyville. I don't know what's wrong with Stanleyville. I don't know why things keep happening there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's like one of those things where you tend to want to have your capital in the middle because, like, things happen in the far reaches if you're not close enough right stanleyville's not in the middle either it's in the far east so there's like the real capitals in the far west that's what i mean they're so far apart that's like 
of course things are going to keep popping up over here yeah, because yeah, nobody's over there. Over there. Yeah. So, <laughs> but if this, you were closer, it might not happen. Yeah, quite it'd be as easier much. to keep yeah. fingers on stuff. But, but you're so, yeah. so far apart that it's so easy for it to just like and split it's a down the big middle. country. Yeah, it's a yeah, big it's country. a really big country. Uh, yeah. So this militant group called the Simbas yeah. arise and they um, they take over like not probably like a little more than a third of the country, like a lot yeah. of it, right uh, in the east. And they set up their new capital in Stanleyville, and they declare themselves a new country called the People's Republic of the Congo. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was so wondering, you- I was like, I'm pretty sure it fell apart a couple times and then came yeah, back together. Doesn't. And I was like, I wonder when it falls apart. <laughs> so okay. now yeah. you've got the Republic of the Congo, which is the one in Leopoldville, and then you've yep. got the People's Republic in Stanleyville. Yep. So the Republic from Leopoldville are trying to retake this land that the Simbas have uh, taken. They're trying mm-hmm. to, like, get the land back and put this down and make it stop. Right. Um, and the Simbas are pretty violent. They're, like, not treating yeah. the civilians very well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of civilian killing. They uh, take a lot of hostages and causing a lot of problems just generally. And the yeah. problems get so out of hand that in uh, the end, at the end of 1964, the United States and Belgium intervene, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's a cold war proxy uh yeah uh, so, so at this U- point the ussr is still involved or they kind of pulled out once they thought it was chilling down i think they're kind of still involved not as much as okay. they were before but they're like well yeah of, yeah okay uh so the u.s and belgium intervene they help rescue some hostages and uh institute this whole military operation against the simba okay um, and the simbas soon after weird. that collapse and like fall apart which is goodish. Goodish. It's also odd because, like, theoretically, the Republic of the Congo is USSR supported. But the US uh, just I think put down a rebellion the, for. No, I think the USSR has, like, mostly gone away. Like, they're kind okay. of keeping an eye on it, but they're not, like, actively doing anything. Right. That's what I thought. Uh, but then this, uh, the Simbas, who pop up in right. Stanleyville, are Maoist, so they're communist. Oh, it's like you know how why. you say like People's Republic of China. This is the People's Republic of the Congo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So they're the now US trying to be not, like yeah. the other one's democratic. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Well, the other one is trying to be democratic, right? That's they're true. like, yeah, they're, they're like national to. democratic elections. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Right. Uh, so okay, I got yes. it. Now. Um. So this is called the Simba Rebellion, this bit where the Simbas take over most of Eastern Congo. Um, It lasts about two years, and they think that uh, they killed more than 20,000 local civilians. You know what's so weird about this kind of stuff? It's like, if these people were just, like, not the worst, like, socialism and communism would probably be a lot more common if they just stopped killing people just like randomly yeah (laughs) like if they had just been like hey we want to like we're a different ethnic group we want to be a different country we're taking this bit of land stop killing people like random people like it's one thing to be killing like the soldiers from the other side that's a completely different thing to be killing the civilians yeah in your own nothing probably would have happened it would probably just be a different country like it's wild and it's, it's also, like, if you were gonna... just not the worst people. 
It's like, you're not going to get the local people to help and support you if you keep killing them. If you keep killing them and their kids and their wives. You need them to be on your side. Uh, Yeah, It's like the weird, it's like why you're self-sabotaging yourself and you think it's like, oh, they don't support us, so we're going to kill them. Well, that's not going to help anybody else support you either. So (laughs) what's your plan here? The whole Simba Rebellion is just like a very bloody, bad period of about two years. Yeah. And that happens, like, over and over again in history, where, like, yep. people try and do their own thing, but they kill a bunch of people in the process, which gets somebody else involved, which puts them down. It's like, mm-hmm. if you just didn't yep. kill a bunch of people that you didn't need to kill, like, yep. you would have succeeded. What? Yep. So, okay. the uh, with so the Belgian and U.S. intervention, the Simbas collapse. Uh, the, mm-hmm. Their land is retaken by the Republic of the Congo. Yeah. Uh, the Republic of the Congo does have a national election in March of 1965, and they elect a new leader, and things right. uh, seem like they should be good, but actually uh, it doesn't work very well, and the country is like, split too evenly, and it makes a political stalemate. Uh, and then there's a second coup d'etat in 1965, and that, which results in a dictatorship until 1997. So, yeah. That's not really relevant <sighs> to Nangapetta, but that is what happens. So, yeah. All That's of that, what's going on around yes, her. All of that is what's I happening. I assume she's like in a small town. So, like, do we know if she was really impacted by some of these? So like, she, whether town raided or anything like that? So, she is in this convent. She joins the convent in 59. Right. Independence is in 1960. So, right around the time she joins the convent is when this congo crisis which is from 60 to 64 or 65 takes place Mm -hmm. like all of this upheaval is right when she starts at the convent and this convent she's in is in the northeast part of the country about like less than 100 miles from stanleyville okay so oh no it's 300 miles from stanleyville which is still not that far because it's a really it's close but it's like not like dangerously close you know uh it is dangerously close (laughs) yes so all of that stuff was just to put set the scene so that when i now explain to you what happens to nangapetta you know what's going on and who these people are and what is happening so the simba rebels are taking over all of this land around them huge area all sides around this convent she is in Yes, this convent she okay. is in is well inside, inside the of Simba that. land. Yes. It is like nowhere near the edge. It is yep. definitely in the Simba land. Right. Um, so the Simba are like anti-European. Uh, right. They don't, they don't like the Belgians. They want the Belgians to leave and the white people right. to leave. Uh, yeah. And by proxy, they also tend to mistrust uh, anyone who seems associated with the white people, yeah. which includes the nuns and the priests, even if they're yep. Congolese. Yep. Right. So they don't yeah. trust the nuns and the religious people uh, because they think that they might side with the European interests, even if they are right. indigenous born. Yeah. Uh, so the Sim, so she's in this convent um, and the Simbas storm it on November 29th of 1964. Uh, Not good. Nope. Uh, which I think is just, hang on, it's either just before, I think it's right around the time that the US and the Belgium intervene, like within days. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like right at the same time, right towards yeah. the end of it. Because as soon as the US and the Belgium intervene, it kind of like falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's right at the end of it that the Simbas storm the convent she's living in, 1964, and they uh-huh. abduct all 46 nuns, religious people who live in this convent, load mm-hmm. them on the trucks, and they take them to a town called Is- Isiro, Isuro, maybe, uh, which okay. is about 70 miles away, which is 110 kilometers. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And they take them to the home of this guy called Colonel Yuma Deus. Okay. Uh, at the uh, compound, there's like these nuns are hostages and there's a bunch of military Simba dudes hanging out. Um, and there's this guy called Colonel Nagalo. Okay. And he uh, thinks that Ningapetta is really pretty, I guess, and oh. decides that she should be his wife. Yeah. Um, and he threatens her with death if she refuses. And she, yeah. of course, refuses anyway because she's a nun and this is like yeah. part of her job. That's the thing. Yep. Yeah. And so Nagalo is pissed about this and he asks for one of his buddies to help him convince this girl to like be with him. Right. Uh, so yeah. he asks his friend, another colonel named Olombe, for help. Uh-huh. Um, so the next day, November 30th, uh, Olombe. Uh, has the rest of the nuns go to bed and is like, you can sleep safely over here and you can stay all together as long as Nangapetta stays behind with me. Uh, yeah, bad. Yeah. Uh, and so he is trying to force himself on her and she is fighting back and refusing and, you know, yeah. saying I would rather die than give up my virginity and like, right. you know, do what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, so he is very angry about this, of course, and he takes her and another sister named uh, Bakuma Jean Baptiste and uh-huh. puts them into a car. He's going to take them to an unknown location. I don't know if anyone knows where he was going to take them. Right. Um, but he basically puts them in this car and then he goes back inside the compound to find the car keys. And yeah. while he is inside, the two sisters try to escape, like into the woods, you know? Right. Um, but they are captured pretty quickly and then yeah. beaten quite badly. Uh huh. So Bakuma, which is the other sister that he uh, put in the car, yeah. uh, has her arm broken in three places Ooh. from the beating and passes out from the pain basically yeah um and then uh alombe is just pissed that ningapetta is refusing to sleep with him yeah uh, and so he gets some of the other soldiery guys who are around and has them stab her with their bayonets a bunch of times and then he yeah. pulls out his gun and shoots her in the chest yikes yeah bad not good uh so this is only the next day after they're taken from the convent right um so it all happens pretty quickly i assume uh, she dies yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, she actually, it doesn't, she doesn't die immediately, it seems. So she lays and bleeds out for a couple of hours, maybe. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. which is grim. Not good. Uh, and while she's dying, she tells Alombe, I forgive you for you know not what you are doing. Mm. Which is almost exactly what Jesus tells the, uh, yeah. the Roman soldiers. Which yep. is ominous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then she dies at about 1 a.m. on December 1st, 1964. She is aged 24. Yikes. Yep. Okay. Uh, she is initially buried at a mass grave, like, near this compound. Right. Um, but like I said, this is, like, within days of the U.S. and Belgian involvement. So this right. whole thing falls apart very, very quickly after this. Yeah. Uh, and so her body is able to be exhumed about eight oh, months wow. later and reburied in a private grave, like, you know, to wow. give her yeah. more dignity and the other people she was with. And they yeah. split them out into separate graves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 14 years after that, um, as part of her beatification stuff, they exhume her again and put mm-hmm. her in the Asuro Cathedral, which is like the nearby big town. Yeah. 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 Huh. Uh, when they do this exhumation, the second one for the beatification, they find that she has a picture of the Virgin Mary in her hand, and it seems like they don't know how she got it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yes. So, Fun. Uh, she doesn't have any miracles, uh, you know, the yeah. levitation or the any healings or anything. Uh, she gets to be beatified because, as you told us a couple weeks ago, martyrs kind of like 
jump the, first the line. Day. Yep. yep. <laughs> so she's a martyr. Uh, her beatification process is started in 1977 under Pope Paul VI. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, her beatification is approved on June 9th, 1984 by John Paul II uh, uh-huh. during his first visit to uh, the country, which at the time was called Zaire while it was under the dictatorship. Oh, yeah. Uh, his first visit to Zaire. Uh, They say that more than 60,000 people attended the beatification mass at the big cathedral. Wow. Yep, which is pretty good. And there was a rumor that her killer, who is still alive, didn't go to jail and had actually been pardoned, uh, was at the mass. Yeah. I don't like that. No, I don't like it either. Uh, And then there's a story, I don't know how true this is, because how could anyone ever confirm this, but there's a story (laughs) that this guy, Alombe, tries to get a meeting with the Pope, John Paul II, to, like, express his remorse, is what they say, quote unquote. Um, And John Paul II says no. (laughs) (laughs) Ha! Ha! Take that. Yep. Eh, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, John Paul II's probably like, no? Especially Mm -hmm. since, like, that sounds very much like a power move. Yeah, like like he wants to he wants to get into heaven, or just that, yeah, or just that like the Pope is a powerful and yeah, be aligned with the Pope at this point, like yeah, and the Pope's like ew no, <laughs> yeah, yep yep, so that doesn't work. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, so she has her uh, like they have some of her religious writings which are being used. Uh, they're still working on the formal canonization for sainthood like they are still doing it they didn't just stop uh so her writing some of the stuff she wrote when she was growing up and in the convent are part of that um the wikipedia page even has the name of the priest who is like in charge of her thanks sainthood cause uh, which is fun (laughs) quite good yep and uh so no miracles pretty straightforward Uh, there's a couple of uh, no relics either because she is just buried in this cathedral. Right. So if you are in that area, you can go and pray at right. her grave. Yes. Okay. So a couple of fun things about her just generally. Uh, she's the first Bantu woman to be edified. Bantu is oh. like an ethnic group from that part yeah. of the world, uh, which is fun. She is the patron of the African Jesuit AIDS Network. Uh, which is a multinational organization that was founded in 2002 to help fight the spread of HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and some fun facts about this organization, because I looked it up, um, is that they think that this group like covers and helps about 25% of the global population with HIV and AIDS. Good lord. I know. That's a, a lot, lot of people. It is a lot of people. Sweet Jesus. Um, and recent <laughs> studies suggest that they have the capacity to reach patients in all of continental Africa. Damn. Yeah. That's impressive. I know. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a pretty good network. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She has a feast day uh, because she's beatified. Right. Uh, It is the 1st of December, which is the day she died. Yeah. Straightforward. Um, Then there is a thing that they did in 2009 in Mm. the DRC where they established the Enyurei Woman of Courage Prize. Oh, uh, which recognizes the contribution of Congolese women to the development of their communities and the support mm. of a democratic ideals. Um, and it's awarded every year with a cash prize to like help your community. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, which is nice. It's called the Enurite yeah. Prize, which is ironic because that is not her name. Because it's not her name. <laughs> that is the part of her that is not her name. 
Oh, man. <laughs> the wow. one of her four names that isn't hers. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Rip. Uh, so, yeah, okay. that's kind of it for her. She's hmm. a pretty straightforward person. There's not a whole ton of information because, you know, saints enduring a civil war. Yeah. Not, not a lot of stuff. Martyr. Yeah. Yep. I wonder what they're working, because you said they're still working on her um, mm-hmm. stuff. And I wonder... If they're just, like, waiting for a miracle or what? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they're, like, keeping it in the... Yeah. Or maybe they're, like, investigating a few Yeah, because she like only that. needs one more, right? Because if she's a martyr... Yeah. yeah, she only needs one more to get... Holding on. Saint. Yeah. Yeah. Huh! Interesting. It's wild to learn about all these, like... I don't know. Because we don't learn that much about this part of the world in American education. Schools, yeah. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. It's weird to hear about like such a massive and terrible conflict, right? You kind of just like don't know anything about, really. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's 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 also just like well, like how big <laughs> the world is. That's like things can be happening, and everybody else is just like, ooh. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I guess like our parents and grandparents must know about it. Like it must probably have been on the news and stuff in the Cold War. Yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff about the Cold War, and and we we just but even even with that, we hear a lot more about like Cuba and. Yeah. And like uh, Central and South America stuff in in relation to the Cold War than yeah. Africa stuff. Probably just because of proximity, though, honestly. But yeah, she seems brave, if nothing else. it's She must have known that they were going to kill her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I just I oh. hate stories where sometimes you get these from like the Holocaust and other wars, too. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, Anne Frank died two weeks before. The liberation, the liberation, yeah. and stuff like that, and you're just like, no. Or people like the last groups of people who were gassed before the camps were liberated. Yeah, yeah. And so this, it's really yeah, it's so much worse that she. It must have been yeah. within days of the. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, horrible. But at least like it happened soon enough that like the other nuns knew where she was and like yeah I think most of the, I think get go back either most or, or maybe all of the other nuns that she was initially arrest- arrested with survived survive yeah yeah so that's good I guess yeah and it's close enough that she wasn't just like lost forgotten or like yeah. nobody could figure out what happened yeah ugh well that was a good job so yeah that's uh, Marie Clementine and you're right Nangapetta. Well, awesome! Thank you much um, for everybody's listening. Everybody listening, you should uh, uh, definitely rate and review the podcast. That is what helps us get to more people. Or tell a friend, tell a lapsed Catholic, tell a non-lapsed Catholic, tell a young person because most of our audience is young. <laughs> um, and we will see you all in two weeks with our next episode. Bye. Bye.